Hey everyone, Tom here, Alpha Metallica, back with yet another episode. Today we are tackling that Lovecraftian lummox that is the thing that should not be. The Master of Puppets track, if you are new to the show, is myself and a guest from around the world, a fellow Metallica obsessive, going deep on one song in particular. And in case you haven't noticed from the name, we're doing it alphabetically. So uh, I think we're on like episode 130-something right now. 139! So, you know, we're very close to the end. So if you are new to the show, or you've been listening since 2017 or something, we've been going for quite a long while, like... We were going, I think, uh, no, Hardwider just came out, actually, so it's still quite a long time ago, so go back, check those out, subscribe, Patreon is there, iTunes is there, all those places you can help support the show, follow us at MetallicaPod, MetallicaPod at gmail.com, if you want to come on the show, there's no actual songs available, but always going to do other topics, uh, maybe even HP Lovecraft topic, actually, after this episode, it's been fun doing that research, but as always, with a guest, and today it's Jason, uh, how's it going, sir? It's going alright, Tom, how you doing? Very well, I mean, you and Metallica... Like, what was the first riff of theirs? What was the first song you heard? Like, when did it begin? Uh, well, it was probably Enter Sandman, like everyone else. Yeah. But um, I do distinctly remember my dad brought home St. Anger, actually. I th- mm-hmm. th- the company he was working with did a commercial with Metallica. It's an AOL commercial that's actually oh. on YouTube. Um, it's what? kind of funny, actually. But What happens in the commercial? I've not seen that. It's on YouTube. It was, like, mm-hmm. back in 2003. It was, it was Lars and James... Uh, in like a chat room with each other and they're trying to figure <laughs> out the name of or the lyrics for uh, saying anger it's actually kind of funny if you uh, I think you just search AOL Metallica dude anger works better rhythmically check it out with the new AOL 9.0 optimized talk feature instant messages really saying yeah life needs vocals <laughs> Yeah, I've just found it. I've just found it. Yeah, it's on there for you. So. <laughs> I need to watch um, that. Okay. Yeah, it's actually pretty good. But um, he brought that home. So I think that was that was my first full CD that I had. And I, you know, maybe not the best first impression, but I liked it because I was kind of into the new metal, like Linkin oh, yeah. Park and uh, mm-hmm. System of a Down back then. And so I liked the loud banging. Uh, I didn't really know that much about music or about the band. But I then remember my dad asking me about uh they had a really heavy song he said and i had a friend who knew everything about music so i said there's a really heavy metallica song my dad wants to get the cd and he said oh it must be sad but true so my dad got the black album and i stole it out of his car and that was my second album and then from there i remember this was before metallica was on itunes and like mp3s were big obviously and and buying Mm -hmm. mp3s so i remember being on walmart.com believe it or not they had they had an MP3 store, and I was clicking the 30 second previews and saying, okay, which which songs which song should I buy next? And I remember the thing that should not be was actually the first one because it was really heavy and, um, yeah, that was the first one that appealed to me. Was and, that what uh, your dad meant? Was that the song your dad meant? No, he was he was he meant sad but true. He um, did mean sad but true because but my, I mean, my dad, yeah, a lot of people refer to this as one of the heaviest Metallica songs, yes, don't they? Definitely, especially uh, particularly Jason Newstead, famously. Uh, referred to it about as about the heaviest number known to mankind <laughs> i mean there, there is like don't get me wrong the song's heavy but there is heavy, uh, yeah. and i'm not just uh, saying that with i know the you're a hater metal. i think i got the impression i think it was you were on metal up your podcast and you 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 took a you took a jab at thing that should not be and i said right. i'm gonna i'm gonna get on this guy's podcast <laughs> and i'm gonna tell him something but no um that's how i first got into it and since then that was about 16 years ago now i've seen them five times live and you know obsessive 
and going so going from walmart.com was that just into the real world then metallica wise like getting everything including all the albums yeah, kind like, of yeah. waterfalled from there mm-hmm. um you know I, I bought master puppets first and then uh basically all the rest of them and i slowly became obsessed with uh, you know everything metallica particularly particularly the first four albums but um yeah and going to the thing that should not be now master of puppets obviously a masterpiece i would maybe say and i'm not i'm not even saying this is necessarily a bad song and i do enjoy (laughs) the track um you know jason just to reassure you but it was the it was the only song written in the studio it was the last song written for the record and it does stick out i think if there was a blind taste test and you asked okay what was the actual one after the rest of these compositions it would maybe be this one it's slightly more pensive not got the frenetic energy of a lot of the rest of master yeah definitely uh i i think part of that is because it's actually the first song on a studio album that they did in any tuning but standard this is in mm-hmm. d standard uh I, there's been like a lot of discussions if you look at guitar tabs or stuff like that people think it's a drop d but if you watch them perform it live it's they play it in d standard actually live they play it another step down so it's c sharp but uh the the point being james is playing normal power chord shapes so uh in the studio it was played uh drop d so that's one part of it that makes it kind of stand out from the others another thing i think that makes it stand out is particularly in the verse riff it's kind of slow and it's it's back and Mm -hmm. forth between that clean guitar and the chugging into the the back into the main riff i think that definitely stands out it's kind of a unique um song structure and it's not like you said it's not damage anchor battery or anything that really they had done in the past besides fade to black it was all kind of straightforward pounding in your face um thrash metal you know so i think that makes it stand out as well you know it's six minutes 36 and i guess one of the issues i have with the song is that it's kind of comprised of the same part three times Mm -hmm. this same sign okay it is a shifting riff structure don't get me wrong and there's certain endings that are really really cool and and it's very noty selections here yeah but you know it is this you remind me a bit of the small hours actually which we covered recently on the show it Mm -hmm. kind of has that gutter sludge it's kind of slouching off to bethlehem that sort of idea we get the solo in the middle it just doesn't have that I don't know. It doesn't have that compositional nous. I think I totally agree with best that. Do. It's definitely the simplest from a composition perspective. It's the simplest song on this album, but I don't think you can necessarily fault it for that. I I, <laughs> I might get some, and we might take some mail on this one. But I think <laughs> if you have to choose the weakest song in the album, for me, unfortunately, it's Leopard Messiah. Not that really? I don't like it. I love it, okay. but. Uh, I don't know. For me, I I, I think Crazy. in Metallica songs, <laughs> Metallica <laughs> songs especially, I might give undue uh, weight to the the lyrical quality. And sure. I I think I do that because James is such a good lyric writer that when there are weaker lyrics, they they stand out especially. And I just I think Leper Messiah, the lyrics are, are not, you know, send me send me money, send me green heaven, you will meet. Yeah, but it's it's not the deepest shit he's ever written, and I, I think you're going to get into H.P. Lovecraft and how these lyrics were derived from that. I just think these lyrics are, are really cool. They're creepy mm-hmm. as hell, and they they tell an awesome story, and they're 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 thoughtful. Um, now that's just my interpretation and, and my way of kind of leveling up the two songs. 
but like you said, it's it's hard to find a weak spot on the album, and there doesn't necessarily have to be one. So, um, yeah, that's just my take on. on no, Brandon. no, and that that yeah, that comparison is completely fair because yeah, Led Messiah ultimately what I love is is the riffing you know mm-hmm. is that yep. sort of you that know, metal part came... is, is one of the best riffs that, yeah, that ex- he's yeah exactly written. yeah exactly that part and and the main riff as well and just mm-hmm. the way it's kind of proto death magnetic y yep. the way it plays with rhythms and you know it just has a lot of experimentation but but yeah in terms of imagery obviously the thing that should not be um is pretty faultless because it's deriving from that lovecraftian right. well um that the band already at this point had gone to with um call of cthulhu and james you know, does it on the S and M version a lot more with this song, but he really vamps the vocals as oh, well. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. immortal becomes part of the song, and there's like yeah. seven syllables in that and rising, and totally. you know, he he really kind of lashes on quite a theatrical energy when he performs yeah. it. Totally, I think this uh, in and the studio album, even on the studio album, there's kind of an an aura about it where it's like a, it's like a mm-hmm. mood almost. It's like a creepy mood, starting with those first two chords that are like scary almost. And going into the solo where it just it's you feel like you're in like the depths of the ocean, right? And they have yeah. that like Kirk's wailing in the background mm-hmm. as it kind of exits the solo. Kind of reminds me of uh, of Wolf and Man, where the the music itself, not just the lyrics, but the the music itself is creating that kind of aura and the feel of the song. Uh, but especially live, yeah, he he really plays up and kind of is almost acting as the character. Or the narrator in the song, and he does that in uh, *Of Wolf and Man* live as well. The solo is crazy, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I do. The solo is wild. Like yeah. every time I listen to it, it does surprise me. I do love it. I mean, again, you know, um, we just just cover Kirk on that was just your life, and it's kind of a similar solo in the sense that it's kind of sets of notes together. It's not kind of a convincing narrative. It's just these, you know, Cthulhu-like wails and gargles and whatever and right. you know there's dive bombs and lurches and pinches and there's the bit where it sort of harmonizes with itself yep. as well yep. which is very demonic you don't really hear that kirk doesn't really do that like so i like that you put that in there and like you say again the fact that the guitar remains <laughs> in the song it's almost like cthulhu has fucking raised his head above the water but mm-hmm. he's still around you know he's still kind of in the vicinity and kirk's just going <laughs> going wild but they're like it's some of the most experimental stuff i've actually heard metallica do in terms of combining the vocals and guitar all like that yeah totally and especially that early on um mm-hmm. uh, and uh, yeah i was always interested in kind of how they got the musical influence to go this far out and, and it's kind of like an experimental song and even some of the chords that james plays in the uh in the chorus riff where the din and din 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 and din, mm-hmm. those are like inverted chords that inverted power chords and he if you watch him play alive he's like he's playing the bass note with his thumb which you really never see him do it's no, a really it's unique a... musically it's a really unique kind of experimental song for them and i think it, it kicks ass yeah yeah it's it's completely you know left field on the album mm-hmm. in their career for the most part they yep. don't really do this sort of long form chug-a-thon that's right. just morphing at will and again incorporating all that um lovecraftian imagery throughout which in case people were interested um i believe it's the song content references um, The Shadow of the Innsmouth, which was written in 1936. And it was the only Lovecraft story released as a book when he was alive. He was one of these figures, you know, Emily Dickinson's, who got famous a lot later. But the actual title, I think, comes from another story. I think it comes from, like, the beasts of something. They're called the things that should not be. And that's a very Lovecraftian idea about kind of a beast that is so monstrous from a different reality that you li- you literally cannot comprehend it. You only see a part of it or you see just pure madness, you know 
actually see for what it is. So yeah, awesome topic for Hetfield to dig into, and obviously all nightmare long, and um, you know so many of those songs as well. Dream no more. Who could forget Dream no more? I've tried to, but uh, Dream no more still exists as well. And th- they love doing this, and they probably do another Lovecraft song. It's just a great side to Metallica, isn't it? That they have this kind of literary bent. Like not many bands do that. Yeah, it's it's totally awesome, and it was you know. It, it was Cliff that got them into it, apparently. Um, yeah. But even yeah, so you know, on the latest album, it's so awesome that they continue this thread of you know, like the Cthulhu mythos. Like they're still so into it and uh, like telling stories about it from a different perspective. It's it's really awesome. And I, if you look up, like I did some research on Lovecraft like a while ago, trying to figure mm-hmm. out like what the fuck these lyrics are about. And yeah, yeah it, it sounds like it is. It's referencing like different. A, a few a bunch of his different stories um and some of them are like kind of exact quotes taken and some of them are are more like their interpretation but um yeah yeah it's it's, it's totally cool how they were influenced by that and it, it it does read or play like a like a horror story when you're listening to it it really does and it shows you know their taste like i don't like i like i like lovecraft okay i don't know how big he was in the 80s when this came out but now he's obviously massive for mm-hmm. so many reasons kind of because metallica to a certain extent like i myself i remember being on amazon um you know when i was younger i used to be really i kind of am still but really into literature and that sort of stuff and poems and whatever and i remember in my like recommended it was like you might like the call of cthulhu by hg <laughs> lovecraft and i was literally like, that's a fucking metallica song like in the same <laughs> way that i saw for whom the bell tolls by right. hemingway i was right. like what you know so it kind of forces you in a way uh you know and i bought those books and read those books and you know do really like lovecraft at this time but um yeah in terms of influence as well on the song um i just read this i don't actually know the what's exactly being spoken about here i'll have to try and find a clip but uh, apparently in the book rush album by album kirk hammett says that one of the riffs in the figure should not be was taken from a riff in a rush song called jacob's ladder yeah i read the same thing today actually yeah. and i i listened to it and i did not hear it yeah, did you not? Okay, that's interesting. But you know, that's Kirk and his 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 memory's going a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, from the solo then, you know, again we have different outro paths and like this is a song where you really need to pay attention because there's so much going on and there are so many just subtle little variations that the yep. band like to employ. James is always putting a different sign and twist on the tail and, and totally. Lars rhythmically is, is chopping stuff up. You know, I mean, you, you know the game by now. And I love as well how that kind of, that hollow, doomy sound that opens the track, that little motif, that returns in like the pre-chorus over the heavy guitars. It's an odd dissonance. Yeah, it's really cool. And I, if you go on YouTube and you can do this for a bunch of uh, different Metallica songs, I think most of them are ripped from uh, Guitar Hero tracks, but they... There are there are YouTube uh, videos that that are just the separate uh, you know instrumental track. So you have the bass track isolated, drum track isolated, uh, rhythm and lead guitars isolated. And it's Call of Cthulhu is one of the songs that that people have done this on. But it's it's awesome to hear the the isolated tracks and the, even like on the vocal some of the vocal tracks you hear James clearing his throat. Stuff that was later cut out is, is still in. <laughs> these master tracks it's it's awesome so i encourage you and anyone listening to to search those definitely they're really cool absolutely yeah and there's stuff on the um on the deluxe box set as well yeah like uh live mixes yeah and, and the demos and stuff. And stuff like that. the riff tapes of course as well mm-hmm. which are just yeah to me they're the most intoxicating thing ever. oh yeah like, i love hearing it's that a gold pure... yeah that's just hetfield that's mm-hmm. just some ro- I can listen to hours of that like there's like apparently 30 hours of like lost john lennon tapes like i want the fucking riff tapes from Het. 
I want he, like just twelve hours of him just riffing. Like that's right. You could listen to it forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll regret it two hours in. I'll be like, yo, these aren't that <laughs> different. But uh, but there's too much five seven here. You need to go back to master. But you know, the song continues. The song is quite long. You know, I think that can't really be denied. And mm-hmm. the song doesn't really break new ground per se. Right. It isn't, you know, a huge sort of direction shift or, you know, a melody change. What I do like, though, you know, the song has so many things that Metallica don't really do anymore. or ne- never really done, like, the harmonized guitar and stuff like that. Um, I love the sort of dead-eyed accompaniment out of the song. You know, that sort of weird string chug. It's really yeah. unnerving. That's, I think that's like Kirk on a, a phaser. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah he kind of plays it if you watch him live he plays it like he plays he picks like up on the neck uh to get like kind of a different different sound off the strings yeah it's it's awesome and that that main rhythm riff riff underneath that like that's it's it's three notes and it's just heavy as hell it's like so simple it almost reminds me of like walk by pantera where it's so simple but so heavy yeah 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 absolutely i mean I don't know, I would say Walk's almost heavier than this. Like, I know Newstead said it's the heaviest thing ever, but... I, I mean, this of, is... No, I mean, you know... It's uh, kind of heavy without the overdriven sort of, you know. I agree, and Walk isn't even a power chord. It's just, it's literally him bending it's one, one, <laughs> one string. <Yeah>. But <laughs> It's open one, it's crazy. Right, it, it's, you know... Um, but this song, especially live, they started playing it live on the uh, Damage Inc. tour, like right, right off the mm-hmm. bat. And like everything back then, they played it like a million miles an hour, and I don't think it had the same effect. No. Um, because this is like a sludgy song that I think would is best served by being played at least as slow as it is on the album. But they brought it back uh, in 1993 and the Nowhere Else to Rome tour on like the European leg, and they play it slower than the album version. And like I said, they play it tuned down another half step, and it's so heavy. And, and I think this is one of the Metallica songs that, that sounds even better live than it does uh on the it studio does. version yeah yeah it really does snm version mm-hmm. you know some of james's shit that is that when james well. remembers the lyrics i should say yeah yeah but when james like, screams like oh my god before kirk's yep. solo and yep. stuff and like you know all, all the experimentation that um michael kamen and his very talented people did mm-hmm. uh the 89 version as well great version i mean yeah 89 version of anything is a great version yeah, um yeah, yeah pretty much but yeah, I mean that. I think vocally back then that was kind of James's peak. I can't possibly criticize anything that 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 they did between you know eighty eight and ninety three. Mm-hmm. That's kind of my my favorite era live. Um, yeah, that that version's awesome, and it has it has an even more like there's an even more of a flanger or chorus effect on on the James's rhythm, the clean. Uh, intro which sounds awesome and 265 times it's been played so it has been played a hell of a lot for like you know not necessarily one of the more popular songs but it's yeah, gone through it was career. i mean i think they've brought it back more recently on the current leg mm-hmm. that they're on they've they've played it and they've had like kind of a slot for it um but and like i said in 1993 it had a slot it was played at, i think at every show towards the end of that tour and then in I think 1997 they brought it back um, and played it regularly, but I'd say between then and like 2018, it was very rare. And first before May 24th, 1986, at Camp Gerardu in Missouri. Am I saying that correct? Uh, your guess is as good as mine, Tom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just assume you would know, but nah, nah we don't know. We don't know everything around here. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in uh, Last Fight in Germany uh, this year, as you said, yeah, June 13th, 2019 uh, in Cologne, Germany. So um, as we always do, we go over to you guys at MetallicaPod on the Twitter and see what you think of this song. Ralph says, I love this song, but that's true of every song on Master of Puppets because I consider it their best album. It's both eerie as hell and so immensely heavy that it should be a crime. Just a masterfully retelling of H.P. Lovecraft's The Call of Cthulhu that at this point seems a must-read for all fans of the band. The performance of this song from Seattle in 89 adds even more heaviness and the SNM version with the orchestra adds an extra touch to the songs that must be seen and heard to be believed. Hoping to see this one again in September 4th for sure. MTI saying very sludgy, for lack of a better way to put it, different than a lot of the rest of the album in that regard, which is cool. Stan saying it definitely should be in top 10, top 10-iest hit parade, all killer, no filler of Metallica lists. Fact. Luke saying the only track on my favourite album that I don't love, I can take it or leave it. And Fixer saying so fucking heavy. I mean, most people, Jason, respect him positively, which you, you kind of expect, right? Yes, but there were some uh, some people echoing your There were some dissenters, there well. yeah. <laughs> there were, I mean, any, okay. uh, any, yeah. <laughs> any, uh, any, any final thoughts on the track? No, like I said, I think it's cool that they went in a new direction uh, with this song. I think the result is really cool, really unique. Um, uh, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. I think you don't need to have a worse song on the album. I think that will be my conclusion. And finally, we'll close a few quickfire questions. The first of which being, what is your favorite Metallica song? Blackened. Oh, yeah, Blackened. Def- I, I definitely like top two for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah ast- astonishing, astonishing. G. What about a uh, favorite album? Justice. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What? Why Justice? Uh, I love the guitar tone. Uh and it's just a, a riff a riff parade that's why i love it what about favorite member of the band james it's got to be james hasn't yeah. it yeah literally has to be james <laughs> like people ron, have said ron like ron jason McGuffin. and stuff yeah exactly people have, i think someone has said ron McCuffney on some well, episode. they like, were okay. lying yeah someone could say dave i could like <laughs> to hear the dave argument i would um, <laughs> uh what about seeing them live have you seen them live at all yeah, I've seen him five times. Uh, first time was in 2009. I saw him twice on the World Magnetic Tour. Then I saw them at Yankee Stadium for the Big Four show there. And uh, mm. twice on this last tour, both in New York. And the best time you've seen them? That would have to be the Big Four show. Someone else said that on the last episode, actually. was Were they on rare form? Uh, I think it was part of it was just I had always wanted to see see them in a stadium, um, so that was part of it, and just the whole the whole feel of that day was really cool, um, except for the feel of Slayer fans crushing me against the rail. Besides that, yeah. um, and the set list they played Orion, which was like, mm. and and the, that was the first time they played Blackened when I had seen them. So yeah, I was freaking out. And seeing the um, and finally, if you were to start a podcast like this about a band that you love, who would you like to cover? Hmm, I'm not sure because I, I don't have the expertise in any band that you do in this band. But um, yeah, I think my favorite, my second favorite band is Dire Straits. Uh, if you can believe oh, that, I I actually really like Dire Straits as well. Yeah, I love I love them. I Their think, first album is a masterpiece. I think Mark Knopfler is a, a genius. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Who, who just, else plays lead guitar and sings and writes like him? There's no one else. No, he's he's he has a very unique, uh, you know, it's all finger picking. Um, that flinty style, like yeah, I think it. he he's brilliant and he he never plays a, a, a bad note. 
So no, it would probably be them. Yeah, or a Mark Knopfler podcast, maybe. Maybe. Branch out. He's because he's done a lot of film soundtracks as well. Yes, and he, he does a lot of solo work now. Obviously, yeah. they broke up a long time ago. So, yeah. That, yeah. Okay. Maybe when I'm older, I might do a Mark Knopfler. It's like something to do in like your fifties or something. Like just go right through all the old, all the old <laughs> the brothers in arms episode. Wouldn't yeah. be the same uh, listener base, I don't think. But that's no. Okay. <laughs> I don't think anyone listens to straights in the future. But you know, <laughs> we can keep it going. And uh, but uh, yeah, this has been great, man. I guess finally, is there anything you'd like to promote? Uh. No, eat your Wheaties. All right. <laughs> uh, follow us at MetallicaPod, MetallicaPod at gmail.com. Um, get in touch with me there, best way to do that. We've got the Patreon, we've got the iTunes as well. Leave us a review on iTunes, please. Five star if possible. We've got the Form Within coming next with Clint Wells. And then Danny Derryberry is coming back for Through the Never. So a uh, cool week upcoming. Subscribe, get us, all that regular stuff. Jason, thanks again, man. Yeah, thank you, Tom. Appreciate it. Keep up the good work. 